Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm so glad you're here listening online. I pray that God will bless you wherever you are. And our heart's desire today is that where you are watching online, that the manifest presence of God is there with you and you're experiencing him afresh and anew. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to join me in the New Testament book, Colossians, and we'll be in chapter one. Colossians chapter one. I'm only going to use two verses today, verse 13 and 14. And uh, the title of the message is Nothing to Fear. Thank you for a pastor for having me come today. I've been looking forward to being at Peavine, uh, even though it's through a camera. Uh, I'm looking forward to a time when I can come back and worship with you uh, here in this great, great church. God is blessing Peavine in wonderful ways. I'm hearing God's blessings on this church throughout the state, wherever I go. And I'm excited for what God has on the other side of this pandemic. Colossians chapter 1. I bring you greetings from South Georgia. Uh, I live about 30 miles north of the Florida line, uh, out in the country from Barney, Georgia. Yes, like the dinosaur. I am five minutes west of the greater Hayhira Metroplex. And I brought a truckload of gnats with me to bless you with. And uh, you will find those next time you arrive here. Colossians chapter 1. According to Time Magazine in 2019, uh, they listed uh, the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. Now, to come up with this list, they looked at the number of fatalities per 1,000 people working in that particular vocation. Uh, and they created that list of top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. Now, I don't know if you can be thinking about which jobs you might think are in this list. Uh, Good news, our military and our law enforcement are not in that list. Uh, But 10 other jobs are. I'm going to start with number 10, work my way to number one. The 10th most dangerous job in America, taxi drivers and chauffeurs. Didn't see that one coming. Number nine, Electrical power line installers and repairers. Number eight, truck drivers over the road. Number seven, structural iron and steel workers. Number six, farmers and ranchers. Number five, garbage and recyclable collectors. Number four, I can see this, roofers. Number three, this one gives me pause. Pilots and flight trainers. I want to think that that involves more of us than just those who have that job as a pilot and a flight trainer. I don't know about you. I love to fly. I enjoy travel a great deal. Uh, There have been times where I would just go to the airport and watch planes and uh, just think about where these people are going. One of my favorite ways to share the gospel is on an airplane. I like to be seated on the aisle because I'm a big guy, but uh, if it's a three-seater on my side, I like to to have a person who does not know the Lord 
and is scared of flying seated next to me. And you can pick those out. Uh, you, 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 you just look around in your waiting area and you're just praying, Lord, give me that one. And so you're seated there and uh, the, the flight attendant is going through the pre-flight uh, announcements. You're reading you know, your iPad and this person is actually paying attention. You taxi out to the runway and when it's your turn, uh, they power up the engines and uh, start screaming down the runway. Now the person next to you, they've cinched up their seatbelt, they've gripped the armrest, they are praying the Lord's Prayer, the national anthem, the Boy Scout motto, anything they can think. And then you, you leave the ground, you take off, and the first thing the co-pilot does is retracts the landing gear. And the landing gear retracts into the landing gear bay, and those doors close. And if you've flown, you know that there's this loud bump and a vibration under your feet. That's my cue. And I just turn to that person, and I put the most worried look I have on my face. and say, you know, in all my years of flying, I've never heard that noise before. And there you have the opportunity to share the gospel. Number two, fishers and fishing industry workers. Here it comes. Number one, most dangerous job in 2019, loggers. You know, I don't know if you noticed or not, but telling someone about Jesus did not make this list. It's not there. Yet amazingly, many of us act like telling people about Jesus is the most dangerous job in America. I've surveyed hundreds of churches. I've talked with leaders as I've traveled and preached and done conferences. And I, I took an informal poll, and I wanted to find out what other pastors, what other leaders uh, thought was the reason why church folks, many, don't tell regular folks about Jesus. Put all those answers together. Number one answer, I'll see if you can guess it there at home. They all start with the letter S. I came up with five. I'm really interested in number one. Church folks don't tell other folks about Jesus because they are scared. You guessed it. That's absolutely right. They are scared. But listen, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You see, it's the Holy Spirit, this very Holy Spirit that gives us that courage. It gives us that confidence. It's that boldness. It's that Holy Spirit that draws us to the Lord. It's that Holy Spirit that confronts us with the truth of the gospel. It's that Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin and our need for a Savior. And it's that Holy Spirit that empowered and enabled Jesus to proclaim the gospel that empowers, enables us to make much of him. Let me break it down to you this way. The Bible tells us about the most dangerous job ever in the history of the world. The most dangerous job ever has a 100% mortality rate, and that is the job of Savior. There's only one person who ever fit the application, who met the requirements for being the Savior of sinners such as we. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus, in our place on the cross, completed everything necessary for you and I to have forgiveness of all our sin and to be saved 
and adopted into God's eternal family. Therefore, we have no reason to fear sharing the gospel because the Lord Jesus has already completed everything necessary for the gospel to become reality in our lives. I want to give you three things in just a moment, but if you'll look with me in our text, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Now, I don't have time to break this context down of these two verses. They're actually a, a, a closing part of a prayer uh, that Paul is praying for the church at Colossae. Many times as Paul is writing to different churches, in the introductory paragraphs, he includes what he is praying for them. Now, I do want to give you a little side assignment, something to do later. If you'll look at beginning in verse 9 in chapter 1, you're going to see the words, the prayer that Paul was praying for the church at Colossae. And the reason that's important is because it's something that you and I can pray. We know the Bible tells us uh, in 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we shall receive those things we've asked of him. Well, the word of God is the will of God. And so you can pray this prayer. Paul starts out wonderfully. It says, I pray that you'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, that you'll take the truths, the principles of God's word, grow in wisdom there, but you grow in understanding by living out, applying those truths to your life. And there's, here's the results, that you might have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in your knowledge of him. Then he says something amazing. Being strengthened with all might according to or measured by his glorious power. It's just it's an amazing truth. The very power of God made available to us. And he cites two different things that we can be empowered for dealing with in our life. First of all, he says endurance. And then he says patience. Dealing with difficult circumstances and dealing with difficult people. Then he says, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Then we get to our text, verses 13 and 14. Look there with me. He has delivered, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us to the kingdom of of his beloved son in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Two powerful verses. And three things I want to share with you today that will remove fear from your life in many different areas. Perhaps you've been fearful during this pandemic. This will give you confidence and assurance. Perhaps you've been reticent to share the gospel with others. This will give you confidence and boldness. Perhaps you're hearing the gospel, you've been listening online as Pastor Joel shares the gospel that he'll do again in just a moment. And you've been concerned, can I do that? Is that something, how would that affect my life? Can I live and follow Christ after that? This is gonna give you confidence that you need to know that you can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and your life will never again be the same. So here they are, very quickly, you might want to jot them down. Number one, God did something for us that no one else can do. It says in verse 13 that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Even though Amazon.com has 324,000 self-help 
titled books, here's the reality. You and I cannot save anyone, much less can we save ourselves. And there's reasons for that. We are unqualified from being Savior because of our sin. We're fallen, depraved descendants of Adam. Uh, uh, that is our heritage, and, and being born in sin, it disqualifies us. But also, I'm disqualified because of my actions. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You need to understand the role specification for being Savior. To be Savior of the world, you must be the divine Son of God and yet become fully human. You must live a perfectly righteous, totally sinless life and yet be willing to die in the place of totally unrighteous, totally sinful people. Oh, and the third thing, most important, you can't stay dead. You must be raised from the, from the dead. So the good news is that God has provided in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, the only one who can meet that role specification, his son, Jesus Christ. I was reading the other day uh, in the book of Romans, and I got to the last verse in chapter 4, and it actually spills over into the first verses in chapter 5. Here's what it says. Speaking of Christ, that he was offered up for our trespasses and was raised from the dead for our justification. In other words, Christ went to the cross, died on the cross in my place and for my sin. But then he was raised from the dead. In other words, God validated, God vindicated the sacrifice of Christ, saying that whoever calls upon his name can be saved and forgiven. And he uses that term justified. Uh, it's a legal term. Uh, it means that a judge would look at a guilty person, but declare them because of something, declare them to be innocent and in right standing. And so Jesus died on the cross in our place. That was the something that he did. He paid the penalty, bore the punishment, and then was raised from the dead so that when you and I trust in Jesus Christ, God declares us because of being saved by grace through faith in Jesus. He says, I hereby declare that eternally and irrevocably you will have right standing before me. And then it goes on in chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has done something for us that no one else can do. Now, here's the second one. God did something for us that no one can undo. Look at our text, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And then it says, and transferred us, transplanted, if you will, to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, there, there are two kingdoms here uh, in these verses. There's the kingdom of darkness, and then there's the kingdom of God's son. That kingdom word means the rule and reign of. And the life in any kingdom is determined by the character of the king. So we need to look at the kings of these two different kingdoms. In the kingdom of darkness, Satan, the devil, rules and reigns over the kingdom of that darkness. And let me just tell you about him. The devil himself, he deceives us, 
He tempts us. He accuses us. He blinds us. He robs us. He deludes us. He oppresses us. He attacks us. He entices us. And he is always 24-7, 365, seeking to destroy us. And the reason for that is that he totally, with all of his being, hates us with the same measure of hatred that he has for Almighty God. Let me give it to you straight. Every person who has not turned from their rebellion against God and placed their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ currently resides in that kingdom of darkness And on our own, we can't escape that kingdom of darkness. We need a Savior. The entire gospel is this. God has demonstrated his love for us in sending that Savior. We know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 25 words, the way I memorized it. 19 are one syllable, but what you do with those 25 words will determine your eternal destiny. Now, that's the kingdom of darkness. Let's talk about the kingdom of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king of that kingdom, and I'm going to have to look at my notes because I wrote some things down. I wanted to make sure you got these things because knowing who Jesus is is the entire ballgame. I mean, it's everything to, to, to... Trust in Christ, I must believe and know who he is. And then as a Christian, my entire journey is going to be getting to know him better. Jesus prayed in John 17, 23, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Well, let's talk about who this Jesus is. The Bible is very clear. He is our advocate. He is our benefactor. He is our conqueror. He's our defender. He's our emancipator. He's our forgiver. He's our guide. He's our high priest. He's our justifier. He's our king of kings. He's our lord of lords. He's our mediator. He's our provider. He's our omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent protector. He's our eternal power. He's our quintessential redeemer. He's our sustainer, our sanctifier, soon coming king. He's our transformer. He's our unstoppable victor. He's our world changer. He's our extraordinary comforter. He's our yes and amen. He is our zealous God who created us, redeemed us, bought us, adopted us, and holds us eternally in his hand. But there's more. He's sweet little Mary's baby. He's humanity's savior. He's hell's greatest enemy. He's heaven's greatest worship. No one can dethrone him. No one can defeat him. No one can destroy him. And no one can deny him. No one can escape him. And one day, everyone will see him and everyone will bow before him. He is the unprecedented king. He is the unimpeachable king. He is the immortal king. He is the invincible king. There is no one more humble and honorable and holy. There's no one more great and glorious and gracious. He makes the unworthy worthy, the unwise wise. He alone can save the lost and he alone can can secure the saved. Now, while the whole world disregards him, 
And while the devil hates him and the religious dispute him, the, re, the righteous rejoice in him. Angels worship before him and almighty God exalts him. There is no problem he cannot solve. There is no promise he cannot keep. There is no prayer he cannot answer. And there is no person he cannot change. There is no need he cannot meet. There is no weakness he cannot strengthen. There is no stronghold he cannot destroy. There is no shackle he cannot break. There is no enemy he cannot overcome. And there is no tomb he cannot empty. Because of who Jesus is, only he can do that which no one can undo. Now here's some good news for us today. Not only does Jesus eternally save you, Jesus will eternally secure you. Hear these words. My sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish for no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's why I can say God has done something for you that no one can undo. It's a phrase that seeks to qualify, but also quantify God's love in John 3, 16. For God so loved. It's talking about the enormity of God's love. It's talking about how God's love is immeasurable. It talks about how God's love is so great that in, in throughout eternity, you will never be able to totally mine the depths of the great love of God for you. That leads us to this third thing, because God's love must needs be demonstrated. And the third thing is this. God did something for you that no one else would want to do. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.8 that God has demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. The other morning, I, ha I have an office, a um, couple of offices at home. One, my favorite is on the back porch, and I like to look out over our farm uh, and just enjoy the beauty and read God's Word and, and drink my 20 ounces of coffee. And that's where I love most reading my Bible. I came to Isaiah 53, uh, verses 4, 5, and 6, and it talks about, even in the Old Testament, the coming of Messiah, Jesus, and what he would do for us that no one else would want to do. Hear these words from the prophet Isaiah. As he speaks of Jesus, Surely he has borne our griefs, he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, uh, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep had gone astray. We had turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. A lot of times as I'm traveling and I'm preaching and speaking with groups of people or training and encouraging, equipping churches and leaders, and you share different verses of Scripture uh, many of you, of course, have memorized Bible verses, uh, and I want to encourage you to do that. Hide God's Word in your heart. They'll say, what is your favorite verse? 
You, you just can't pick one. But I would say certainly in the top gazillion for me um, would be 1 John 4.10. Here's what it says. And it's talking about how God's love has been demonstrated. In this, it says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And that he gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Now, I, I grew up in Brooks County. I graduated Brooks County High School. If you had a heartbeat, you graduated from Brooks County High School. Um, I, I, w- I did not study well. At the time, I didn't know what ADHD was. And so I was not necessarily a studious person. Uh, when I was reading my Bible, I come to a word like propitiation. I just move right on over it. And that carried on into my young adult years. But, but as I was studying my Bible and I was painstakingly making sure that I understand the words that I was reading, I came to propitiation. I did a study on it. And I want to help you understand what it means. The word propitiation means that wrath is satisfied. You see, when Jesus went to the cross in our place and for our sin, not only did he bear the penalty for our sin, not only did he pay with the giving of his life, the life required for our sin, not only did he pay in full, That penalty for our sin, past, present, and future. Propitiation also means that he suffered in full the punishment due us for our sin. Means that when Jesus was on the cross, not only was he paying the penalty, but in that moment on the cross, God literally exhausted his wrath due me for my sin upon his son Jesus Christ. There's no wrath left for those who call upon the name of the Lord. It has been fully dispensed, fully exhausted upon his son. So that Paul would be inspired to write Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is another of my favorite verses. Verses, it says, God made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It means that while Jesus was on the cross, God the Father treated him as though he had committed all our sin, so that when you and I place our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, God treats us with the same grace, love, mercy, as he treats his perfectly sinless son, Jesus Christ. So that in Christ, I stand before God holy, blameless, and above reproach. God has done something for us that no one else would want to do. But so great is his love for you. My prayer today is that as Pastor Joel comes and shares with you how you can know the Lord Jesus, that God is already drawing you to himself. He's convicted of your sin. You've heard the word and you're wanting, desiring more than anything to receive this gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. And I pray that you'll join Pastor Joel in prayer in just a moment. And that will be your decision today. Would you give me the privilege and the honor of praying with you just for a moment? 
Our Father, our God, I, I love you and I am thankful for the countless thousands who are watching online and who have heard your word. I am so thankful, Father, that it's not the eloquence of the messenger, but it is the power of the message of the gospel that transforms lives. I pray, Father, that every person who is listening would be not only encouraged, uh, strengthened, given confidence, boldness to share with others the good news of Jesus. I pray, Father, that the reality of this message will become the reality of those listening and that they will place their trust and faith in Jesus. For it's in his precious and wonderful and holy and matchless name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hey, thank you, Randy, for that uh, sermon. And before we close out, I want you to hang with me for just a moment because you may be watching today. And the truth is, you may not know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. Well, listen, in one minute, I can tell you how you can fix that today. A, you have to admit that you're a sinner. That is, that you cannot save yourself, that you can't be good enough or give enough or serve enough or change enough to deserve heaven. None of us can. B, you have to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day. That is the gospel story. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, and confess. And if you've never done that and you'd like to do it today and know that Christ is in your life and heaven is your home, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me right where you are and pray with me. You can pray a prayer just this simple. You may know how to pray on your own, but maybe you need some guidance. Most people do. Pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I know that Christ died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sin and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Hey, look this way. If you just prayed that prayer, you are saved. You are a Christian. And I want you to let us know that. Because we're going to send you some material in the mail that will tell you the next steps you need to take in the Christian life. There's seven things you need to do. And if you don't grab this, it's going to be hard to figure those out. So we're going to send them to you. Well, how do you get that material? It's this simple. Take out your phone and text, I did to the number 97,000. So where you normally put a cell phone number, type in 97,000, 97,000. And then in the body of the text, text the words, I did, but no spaces, I-D-I-D. And that'll get you in our system. We'll send you the information. And uh, that lets us know you trusted Jesus today. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so excited about the decision you made to have Christ as your Lord and Savior. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.